City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. We're back. Another week, another stinger. We're in the depths of the NBA offseason right now. It is late August. All eyes are currently on the 19th of August, uh, where we should hopefully get some form of update on Miles Bridges and his next court appearance. But until then, we finally have some news, something to talk about on the stinger. And I'm going solo in this pod. So please bear with me if I lose my train of thought. These are always the the more tricky ones. I'm much more used to having a little podcast partner uh, to, to bounce off a little bit. But on today's episode, we're talking NBA schedule, which dropped as of about two hours ago when we were recording. Um, and very interesting schedule to look into this year. So I'm going to be looking into everything from home versus road, rest, national TV games, rival week, more on that later, uh, distance travel, starting into the season. There's absolutely loads to unpack here. And already there are some fantastic accounts who are tweeting out some good analysis. And I'm sure there'll be more tweeted out by the time that you uh, hear this podcast. So firstly, let's start with where the Hornets start their season. So they start on the road against San Antonio on October the 19th. So the NBA season officially kicks off on the 18th. So Hornets fans only have to wait 24 hours until they finally get to see their team play. San Antonio away. Pretty good opening game, you'd have to say. San Antonio looking like they're going to rebuilding mode. A good opportunity, you hope, for Steve Clifford to potentially get his first win of the season. Um, Now, if we look at kind of the split of the season here in terms of home and away, uh, there are 19 home games for the Charlotte Hornets in the first half of the season and 22 home games in the second half of the season. So it's definitely backloaded with home games. And early in the season, there does seem to be a, a lot more road games when you're looking at that schedule. So I hopefully, if the Hornets are better at home, which has been the case generally in the last couple of years, um, they should hopefully have a better run in that second half of the season. Their longest homestand in the whole NBA season are five games between March 11th and March 20th. So relatively late in the season there. Their longest road trip, six games. Uh, that's December 18th to December 27th. That is a tough set of games right there. You're talking about over the holiday period. Um, people, players will mostly want to be back with their family, back at home. Uh, looking at the schedule, they're probably going to be home for Christmas Day, you'd imagine, because they don't have a Christmas Day game. So they will probably fly back to get home for Christmas Day and then have to maybe fly out later Christmas Day or the very next day early to make their next game. So I'm pretty sure a lot of the players are going to be looking at that December road trip schedule and aren't going to exactly be thrilled that they're having to be on the road so much. Um, But in terms of that home game stretch between March 11th and March 20th, when they've got five games in a row at home, it's Utah at home, then a back-to-back with Cleveland twice, Philadelphia and Indiana. So depending how Cleveland do, depending what Utah look like on the Donovan Mitchell saga that's developing there, it's a pretty good homestand, I think. Philadelphia will obviously be a difficult challenge, but Indiana rebuilding, Utah probably going to be rebuilding about stage. And Cleveland, I think, are probably in a pretty comparable place, even if most people do have the Cavs ahead of the Hornets in the standings for the upcoming season. But not a bad homestand there. 
for that road trip, that brutal six-game stretch right across the Christmas period, it's a really tough one, folks. We're talking about the West Coaster, which uh, the Hornets generally struggle with. Um, at Denver, at Sacramento, those are back-to-backs. You know, Denver, going to be a tough game against Jokic. The Kings are looking better this year. I'm actually pretty bullish in Sacramento this year. I, I like what they're doing. This offseason, even if their the ceiling might be limited, I, I think they're going to be a much better team this year. Then you've got uh, at Lakers and at Clippers over Christmas. You should expect some pretty big crowds for over kind of the Christmas period of the 21st and 23rd of December. And then on Boxing Day at Portland, and then on a back-to-back to Golden State. Golden State to finish off a six-game road trip over the time. The, the only good news is there are three days off between the, the 23rd of, De- of December and the 26th. They've got three days off. So even though it's a six-game road trip, Really, it's going to be four games. Then they'll fly back for Christmas. Then they'll be flying back out for the last two. So that hopefully breaks it up a little bit. Um, But yeah, a tough stretch there. Another kind of underrated um, negative in the Hornets schedule, which I've not really seen talked about yet, is a little stretch in early December. So you see that six-game road trip in December. You've also got five games and seven nights between the 4th and the 10th of December. So you're talking about home against the Clippers, um, home against the Clippers, at the Nets, at New York. Sorry, home against New York, at Philadelphia. Um, that, that's a tough stretch to have those five games in just seven days between the 4th and 10th of December. Um, th- that's a pretty tough one. So to have that early in December, to then go on the road again in the 6th of December is a challenge. I'm, I'm just looking here. Actually, it seems the... The the stat that the website that I've got that information from five games in seven days. There are five games in seven days, but they've actually got the teams wrong. So I'm just going to reread what I've just said there. Um, so they have got five games in seven days, but it wasn't the teams I said. They are at home against Washington, at home against the Bucks, at home against the Clippers. Then they're on the road at Brooklyn, and then back home against the Knicks. So they are the, those five games in seven days. So December is going to be a tough month. Um, by then we should have a hopefully some feeling of where this Hornets team is. Are they a playoff, a lower playoff team? Are they a playing team? Are they outside of that altogether? We should have some idea by then. And what's really interesting is what the NBA have tried to do with rest up to this point, which I think is is really interesting. The Hornets rank 29th in rest days versus opponents. So essentially they're at a rest disadvantage. That uh, uh, there is only one other team who has less rest advantage days than the Hornets. So there are only 14 games out of 82 games this season where the Hornets will have more rest than their opponent. There will be a bunch where they probably have the same level, and then there will be some where they, uh, and then the rest, they will have less. So only 14 games with the rest advantage is pretty poor. Um, but where you see that made back up is in the back to backs where the Hornets only have 12, which ranks them dead last and 30th. Whereas last season, the Hornets, I think, had the most back-to-backs in the league. I want to say it's 15 or 16. So they have less back-to-backs, but that also means they're at a rest disadvantage more often. Depending what coaching staff you have and depending on your players, uh, it, it kind of depends if that is a negative or a positive. I'm not even sure how this current staff will look at it uh, older players generally struggle with back-to-backs. 
back-to-backs. Obviously, people who are coming back from injuries sometimes don't play back-to-backs. So if you're thinking that Gordon Hayward might not play back-to-backs, well, that means that this year he would only miss 12 games. Instead of last year, he would have missed 16. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think this team generally is pretty young. So the, the having less rest days, I think, uh, isn't as a bigger disadvantage as the more back-to-backs. That's just my personal opinion. I also think the great thing about having less back-to-backs is just more time for the coaches to prep a game plan. You know, when you're literally playing a game, flying to another city, there is very hard to sit down and actually introduce a game plan for a team when you've got, what, sometimes under 24 hours to try and prep a game plan. So I think for a young team, having less back-to-backs is actually better than having the rest disadvantage. Okay, I'm going to take a short break here so you can hear from our sponsors, uh, which are DraftKings, and I will come back to you after the break. Despite it being the depths of the NBA offseason, action never ends this summer at DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. You can throw down on all the major action with baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, and over-unders, and props, your betting options will feel endless. I just got back from LA where I saw the Dodgers and they're rolling right now, so I firmly suggest you get some money on the Dodgers as soon as you can. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's promo code T-B-P-N, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see the show notes for details. Okay, we are halfway through breaking down this Hornet schedule. Next, distance traveled. Uh, Really interesting stat, this one. The Hornets rank seventh in terms of distance traveled. So the seventh least out of all teams. Now, this isn't so much about one team getting shafted or another. This is very much based on your geography and your division and your conference. So the Hornets will always probably rank similar around this area. There will obviously be some change this year. But what the NBA have done even more this year are the kind of double back-to-backs where you kind of have a home-and-home or two away games and a back-to-back. And they've even increased that again for the second year in a row, which is something that they got positive feedback on after the COVID season when they introduced that for the first time. Um, and that has mean that meant that the total miles the Hornets actually have to travel. Back in 2019, they had to travel 42,000 miles across the season. This year, that's down to 35,000 miles. And that's partly due to just better uh, scheduling by the NBA. I really feel like they've listened to the teams about what travel does to people's bodies uh, the the kind of grind of the NBA season, anything they can do to try and lessen that. So dropping by, what, 7,000 miles in total travel is a real win. So I think that's great news. That's that's pretty much across the board um, that's happened. So this isn't something just bespoke to Charlotte, but we should hopefully just get better quality basketball games where people are less tired, less run down, um, and, and they can more focus in on the games. Moving on to national TV games, always a controversial topic and one that the Hornets generally have struggled at. Um, The Hornets tie 20th in the NBA with Portland Trailblazers with three national TV games. Now that's down, I believe, from last year. I don't have 
the exact figures. I want to say there was five, six, seven, something last year, which was the most I can remember in a pretty long time. Um, but it's fair to say they've dropped down the pecking order somewhat. Teams like the Cavs have up to like eight and nine. That was would not have been the way it was last season. So tied with Portland, which I, I feel a bit bad for Portland. I mean, Damian Lillard, I know Lamelo's a star, but you're talking about one of the faces of the NBA in Damian Lillard. Um, and that, that team's really kind of going all in this year. So I'm a little bit surprised they've only got 10. Um, but those games are at Chicago on November 2nd, at home versus Chicago on November 26th, and at Boston on the 10th of February. Now, those two Chicago games, it won't surprise you that that is probably because of uh, the ball rivalry between uh, Lamelo Ball and Lonzo Ball, who plays for the Bulls. If he is healthy, he's had a, a knee issue, which he didn't play the majority of last season for, but hopefully he'll be back because if either the Bulls aren't playing in those games, um, the, the NBA schedulers aren't going to be too happy. And that kind of brings us also onto NBA Rivals Week, which is something new they've introduced this year where they introduce uh, national TV games from from rival teams or players. And it, this is interesting. But they, I don't think you can look at Chicago being a rival team. It's just not the way. The reason they've chosen Chicago to be Charlotte's rival, which is essentially why they have those two uh, two games, is just because of the Lonzo and Lamelo. But this got me thinking, what if there was a team rivalry? Who would you pick as a Hornets fan? And this was interesting. I think... The obvious place a lot of people start, and you're probably saying in your heads right now, is Miami. There's two playoff series. We've placed Miami both times in the in kind of the, the brief playoff uh, history in the last kind of decade. Uh, those Dwayne Wade threes will always hurt. Al Jefferson tearing his plan to fash it in like game one. Uh, those, those will always hurt me. Uh, Courtney Lee, game winner. That was a huge moment uh, against the, the Heat. So... I think Miami are the obvious ones. Um, I don't really know where to go after that. Maybe Boston. Like, there's obviously been kind of quite a few players who've come back and forth over Boston in the last few years. Um, they always seem to be quite, quite pretty chippy games. Um, I also remember like some feisty games with the Suns in the last couple of years. There was a no call on Terry Rozier at the end of a game where he had a three where he blatantly got fouled. And there's some kind of really epic close games in the last couple of years. So I remember that as well. But I think Miami would be the go-to rival team. The Hawks, geographically, kind of makes some sense and are also kind of in a similar position in the Eastern Conference. So they could be potentially a runner-up, but I, just, I, didn't, I don't feel you've quite got the playoff history there with the, the Hawks. Obviously, they had the the, the beaters in the, in the playing game. Um, we had Indiana as well, but I, I didn't really feel there's a rivalry there. But yeah, generally, I think I'd go Miami Maybe with Atlanta and then Boston as like kind of the rivals, if there was a team one, which would be which would be fun to see. But it's safe to say I think Mammy have got bigger fish to fry when it comes to rivals. So three national TV games. I'm I'm not going to moan about it. Uh, the team finished tenth last year. There's been a lot of negative press. I don't think you know these broadcasters are going to be thrilled to having to talk about the Miles Bridges situation uh, on national TV over and over again, which they'll have to address no matter what the outcome is. Um, so it's, it's not necessarily a shock. I've always said you can't moan about national TV games until you achieve something in this league. And the Hornets have not really achieved anything of note by the general NBA fan or the general sports fan, um, for a long time now, folks. Um, I, d I don't know if you can call losing 4-3 to Miami in the playoffs in the first round 
uh, a notable accomplishment. Uh, so I think you've got to talk, talk about winning a playoff series, which has been this team's goal for some time now. Um, and that has to be the focus before you expect them to get some more love on national TV. But LaMelo Ball, if it was not for LaMelo Ball, they might not even have those two Chicago games. Let's just be honest. Uh, he's bringing eyes to the team. He's bringing quality winning basketball to the team. Without him, he might just be like the eight, seven, eight other rubbish teams that only have one national TV game. Every team gets one, but it kind of does make you wonder where would the Hornets be without the mellow ball from a, a watching aspect, which is a real shame because um, they were a great team to watch last year and towards the top of a lot of team people's league pass rankings with Miles Bridges, the mellow ball. Terry Zier, you know, it was a fun, high-octane, high-offense team. Kelly Oubre was fun to watch at times and maddening at others. Um, but yeah, finally, to finish out the season, there is a the last kind of four games. I always like to look at the start of the season, look at the end. And the end of the season can be interesting because if you're playing really good teams, you can think, mm, they'll probably sit, you know, their stars. You know, Giannis probably isn't going to play in the last Bucks game, regardless of where they are. And then if you're also playing rubbish teams, teams like maybe OKC, they're going to be tanking. So they're not going to be playing their good players either. And they'll always find some way to bench the guy. So you always kind of want to be playing in the last set of games to end the year, teams right at the top or right at the bottom of the NBA. And not really the case, unfortunately, this year for Charlotte. They've got uh, two home games against Toronto, which I imagine Toronto will be somewhere in the Eastern Conference mix and will probably be playing out for seeding positioning at that point. It's hard to project, but... I think it's fair to assume there'll be somewhere between four and eight. And I, I think most people expect those places to be pretty tight. They then play Houston, who probably, I think, do fall into that tanking category. They definitely did last year. Um, and I think you can expect them to potentially be, you know, resting like some maybe Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, um, some of their other vets maybe. So that could be, could be uh, an easy game. And then they finish at Cleveland, who kind of re-project to be right fighting with the Hornets and some of the teams towards the lower end of that Eastern Conference. So not the kind of best end to the season, in my opinion. I think there'll be a lot of teams there, three out of four for those last four games, probably with something to play for. Um, but that's, let's just, if the Hornets are playing for something at that point, I think that's, we're in a pretty good place, if that's the case. If those games are mattering, those last four games, I think we can call the season a success. Obviously, depending on, you know, if it, obviously expectations would massively change if Miles Bridges was somehow back or Donovan Mitchell uh, was on the team or they, they made some of the move. Um, but as it stands, my, my kind of feeling looking at the schedule is I think overall it's, I mean, everyone's it's never, you generally get a fair schedule. I think overall it's a perfectly respectable schedule. No one can point to the schedule and say the Hornets have been shafted and, you know, the schedule is working against them from day one. I don't think you can also look at the schedule and go, oh, with this schedule, we we have to win the game. We have to make the playoffs. Um, I think it's completely fair. I would say it probably urges just a little bit better than last year just because of less distance traveled, less back-to-backs. Um, I think those are the big things for me. No national TV games. The Hornets kind of struggled on national TV last year, so maybe that's a blessing in disguise. Um, that long road trip does have that little gap in the middle, which is nice where they're going to get back for a couple of days. So it breaks a six-game road trip up into two. And you know, you never know. Playing LA around Christmas, some of those players might have an extra glass of wine if you're LeBron um, or something like that and maybe not quite be as into the game 
as as they are at other parts of the season. I'm I'm clutching the straws here, folks. I, I don't know. Um, so and yeah, and this season start. I think I, I know I talked about the San Antonio game, but even the first five games at San Antonio, home against New Orleans, at Atlanta, at New York, at Orlando. You aren't playing any teams there where you look and you go, that's that's a loss on paper. Like most of October, you think they are winnable games if the team is playing well. And getting this team off to a positive start is more important than ever this year because I think fans' uh, benefit of the doubt is probably at an all-time low and is razor thin. So as soon as things start to go wrong this year, fans are going to be ready to, to jump on the criticism train um, and to start saying that things need to change and it's all a waste of time. And that's why I think starting the season strong, which will be more difficult for the Hornets because they had a, a coaching change. It'll take time to embed the system. It was a late coaching change. You know, he's, he, Steve Clifford came in pretty much straight after the draft. It's not even like he's been in place as long as some of these other coaches like Darvin Ham and stuff like that. Um, but I do think a positive start to this year is essential to get some good vibes around the team to change, to move the headlines away from some of the negative things over the offseason to some of the positive things on the court. So I'm hopeful of potentially a good start. Hopefully the team can build on that. Steve Clifford teams generally got better as the year went on. That was a pretty consistent staple of Steve Clifford teams. Um, as they got used to the system more, he plays a kind of, he gets people playing hard every night. So when it gets to later in the year, when, when other teams are struggling for motivation, Steve Clifford teams always did well. But I think if the team can have a good start, that will do a great deal just for the optics of this franchise. So that's pretty much everything when it comes to NBA schedule. Um, hopefully you enjoyed the Stinger episode. We'll have hopefully some more uh, writing articles over on allhornets.com about this. We'll, we'll have a little bit more time to, to break into this, maybe in a little bit more detail this is pretty much live reaction stuff. And we'll also be bringing you more information on updates on the Miles Bridges situation ahead of August 19th, uh, when it is net court, court date. So thank you for listening to this episode of The Stinger, and I will catch you next time. <laughs>